In Matthew chapter 7, it says this. Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Father, we thank you for this principle that you make so clear to us. But with the measure we use, it's going to be measured to us. We thank you that you, write your, you give us your word to reform our hearts and your spirit to challenge us and convict us. And pray that that very thing would be done in our lives. Direct us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Say hello to a bunch of people around you. Be friendly. Don't I look good? This is good. You know, if um, you know, I'm not a, a, a you know a master chef or cook by any stretch of the imagination. I can get by. I had to get by. I was single for a while, so I had to get by. But if today, if today I decided that <laughs> she making fun of me, my lovely assistant, go ahead. If, if today I decided that I wanted a cake, I wouldn't make it from scratch. Some of you are talented and gifted, and you would make your cake from scratch. I would go down to the store, and I would buy a cake mix. That's what I would do, uh, because that's my skill level. And I would bring that cake mix back, and I'd say, you know, I want, I want a cake. I want to have a cake. Now, let me ask you a question. If I took that cake mix and did what my wife just did here and poured it into a bowl and said, okay, on the instructions it says that this has to be cooked, you know, 25 to 30 minutes and uh, on 400 and I think 25 degrees. And I took this, is that too high, 375? 375? 350? Anybody for 325? Anybody for... These are pledges we're making here, right? That's what's happening right now. It's all, it's all fun. It's all fun. So whatever temperature it should be, if I poured that into that, I said, here's my cake mix. I want a cake. And I poured it into this bowl, and I shoved it in the oven for the next 20 to 30 minutes. And within the 20 or 30 minutes, I yanked it out. Would I have a cake? I'd just have a mess, wouldn't I? Because, see, it takes more than just the cake mix. This is a fundamental mistake that, that a lot of believers make. They'll grab a scripture or they'll grab one principle of scripture, like going to church or being a worshiper or some other element of scripture, and they'll grab a hold of that and they'll throw it in a bowl. And they'll think, okay, I'm going to have a blessed life now because I'm faithful to church. I'm going to be faithful to church. My children are going to grow up and love and serve God because we're faithful to church. We go every Sunday. We even go sometimes on Wednesday night. Or, or you know, we're really into worship. Or maybe, maybe they get into ministry. Oh, you know, I've got to be a ministry. So they volunteer someplace in ministry. And what they've got is they've got a bowl with one ingredient in it. And they're looking for the blessed life. They're looking for the empowerment of God throughout their life. And they keep pulling that thing out of the oven, and it's not getting produced. Because, see, to get there, you've got to put in the wholeness of the Word. 
You can't get trapped in one area. The Word brings balance to itself, so you've got to bring the wholeness of the Word. In this case, it's got to have uh, some water in it. You, how much water do we need, Renee? One and a fourth. One and a fourth, she says, and it needs some oil in it. And here's where I get in trouble because I, I, you know, make the egg. There we go. It's got to have three eggs in it. There's one. There's two. See how good I am at this? And my hands are, yeah, three. Oh. What did I drop in there that time? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> now, we're going to assume there's nothing else in there that's not supposed to be in there. <laughs> now, if I take this, if I take this right here, I've got all the ingredients there, and I shove this into the oven. Do I have a cake in 30 minutes? I don't have a cake in 30 minutes. See, and, and this is, again, it's what some people do. They, they'll take, okay, well, I'll be a worshiper at church, or I'll, be a, I'll pray when I have a real need, or uh, I'll give if there's something I really want to give to, or uh, I really feel, com uh, feel compelled to give to, or I'll, I'll get involved and, and volunteer someplace, and, and, or I'll, I'll speak into somebody's life at church. Or, and they, they just kind of segment all of this stuff when the reality is you've got to take the truth of the Word and stir it through all of your life. Everything has to be mixed together. It's got to be the fullness of your life for Christianity, for the empowerment of God to work. If, if, you're, if not, the hypocrisy of your life, the failures of your life are going to be clearly seen. And instead of producing the cake that you want to produce, you're going to produce something that, uh, you know, hasn't been mixed up very well. And worse than that, if we take other philosophies and throw other philosophies in there, then we get a real mess on our hands. But the reality is, is God wants us to have this fullness of life. He wants us to have the blessed life but it's all, it's got to mix through all of my life. I've got to be his child, applying his principles and his truth in every area of my life and not highlighting one and neglecting others. There's got to be a balance to everything that I do. Now, as we talk about the blessed life over the next few weeks, I want you to keep this, this truth in mind that all of these, all of the things of, of God have to be mixed through the fullness of my life. I've got to have all of them there in the right places. And I've got to be obedient to God in all of these things, or I'm going to really miss what God has for me. And I'm going to miss the fullness. And then you're going to be, wake up someday and you're going to say, wow, I thought I raised my, I, I brought my kids to church. Why don't, why don't they love God? Hey, I, I I got involved in ministry. Why is there no fruit in it? I have worked in this workplace all these years. Why, why is nobody interested in things of God? And they've worked around me all these years. When the reality is God wants to use you in a powerful way and empower your life and very intentionally use your life. So we're going to start with this one principle that we've looked at right here. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at 
several principles that come to bear in us understanding this. So this first one is, judge not that you do not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Now, think about this for a second. When you hear this verse a lot of times, uh, a lot of times this verse is used very specifically about money and about giving. But do you see money or giving in there any place? Is the word money in there at all? Where money's not in there at all. Uh, so, so just capture this in our short-term memory. Judge not, and you won't be judged. You got that? Can you say that? Judge not, and you won't be judged. Say it all, all together. Judge not, and you won't be judged. Okay, here's the second part of it. With the measure you use, say that, it will be measured back unto you. That is a principle of the kingdom of God. That's a principle of the kingdom of God right there. That is something you won't escape. With the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. Whatever it is that applies across the board in our life, whatever it is with the measure you use, it's going to be measured back to you. Now, let's flip over to Luke chapter 6, and we're going to read a parallel scripture. This is a scripture where Luke quotes the same thing, but he adds a little more of the flavor and the fullness of what Jesus said and gives us a little bit more insight. Listen to what it says. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured unto you. Now, the middle part of this is misunderstood because it says, give, and it will be given to you. Now, let me ask you again. Is the word money in there any place? Jesus isn't just talking about money. He's not just talking about finances. Most of the time when you hear people preach about this verse, that's what they talk about. But when we think about give, we have a tendency to think about money ourselves. But God's talking about a lot more than that. Now, I'll tell you, it's hard to preach a sermon and not talk about giving. You can't preach about grace and not talk about giving because God gave his son in grace. If you talk about marriages, you can't talk, it's hard to not talk about marriages and not talk about giving because if, if a marriage is going to work, both people in it have to give. It's hard to walk through this thing without, without giving. We focus on, far, on finances, but it's far more than that. It's all the ingredients in the box and that are listed on the box that have to go into it for it to be right. Every area of life. So when God's talking about giving in this passage, when Jesus is talking about it, he, what he's talking about is our heart, a generous heart. Giving, a giving heart is a key ingredient to having a blessed life. 
as God heals our heart from what we were into what we should be, one of the signs of that is that we have this heart that is giving, that cares about others, that opens the door to our homes, that opens the door to our lives, that opens relationships to us that we begin to give into for the glory of God's kingdom. So hear me today. Giving is about the heart. It's all about the heart. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Who said that? Who said it? Jesus said it. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your treasure is what you want to hold on to. If I treasure something, I try to keep it. If I treasure my time, I resist people trying to put requirements on my time. If I treasure my own selfish will, I resist and make excuses for Scripture that tells me to do something that my will doesn't want to do or tells me to give up something that my will doesn't want to give up because I treasure that thing. I want to hold on to it, and I want to keep it. So that may be your obedience. It may be your will. However, I would tell you that the one that Jesus talks about the most, do you know what it is? You know what the issue of the heart is that Jesus talks about the most? Nobody wants to guess, do you? It's money. Because he knows that money attaches itself and makes itself our treasure. So he warns us about it, and he says you can't serve both God and what? And money. You've got to get this, this money has to be in the right place in our hearts. So you'll have people come around, and they'll say, well, the church is just after my money. That's all. They're just after my money. Have you ever wondered, though, why God invented giving? From the start of Genesis all the way through the Bible, he calls us to give our treasures and to trust him. You know why? God invented giving because God is after our heart. Now, and immediately when we say giving, even after we've gone this far in this message, the immediate response in most of our thought mind and our minds are, he's talking about money when it's really talking about generosity of heart and all that we have and the gifts that we have, yet because money is such a central part of our treasure, that's where we want to. Have you ever wondered why God did this? In America especially, the heart is connected to the wallet. I mean, don't you, don't you feel your kids come up to you and you know, you've had a hard day at work and you, you maybe just paid the bills and, and and they come and they go, oh, I need a, I need a hundred bucks for new tennis shoes. <clears throat> Didn't we just buy you tennis shoes two weeks ago? Didn't we just get that for you? Didn't we just do, I mean, the, nat, the heart, is that, all right. No, the heart goes, ugh. Ugh, the bill comes in, ugh. It, it, it doesn't just hit our mind. Our mind doesn't just think, Oh, well, that's a, that's a pretty stiff bill. I'm going to figure out how to pay that. No, we get depressed. 
we get upset. Our heart gets worried because money is attached to our heart. It's connected to us. And a message like this, and every time money comes up, there's some of you out there going, ugh, ugh. you're getting shocked every time I say the word. You're feeling it in your spirit every time it's said because it's attached to our heart. See, this is the deal. God knows if he can get our wallet, he can get our heart. If we can surrender our money to him, we can surrender our treasures to him, our time, whatever it is, that our heart begins to get healed. We're not the ones who said it. Jesus said it. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want your heart in the kingdom? Put your treasure in the kingdom. Put your time in the kingdom. Put your dreams in the kingdom. Put your vision in the kingdom. Put your money in the kingdom. He's talking about heart issues. He's talking about the desires of our heart and what our heart longs after and pleads for. So catch the kingdom principle here. If you give judgment, what's going to be given back to you? Judgment. If you condemn people who make mistakes, don't live the way you want them to live, what's going to come back to you? Condemnation. If you forgive people, what's going to come back to you? Forgiveness. And not just in the same amount. See, I've got to get all these ingredients in the mix, mix them all up together. They've got to flow through every area of my life. But here, here it is. The, here, here's the part. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, poured into your lap with the same measure you judge it'll be measured back unto you. So not only if you're a little, if you're a little snippy, and snap, snappy and gossipy with people, it's not just going to come back at you a little bit. It's going to come back at you pressed down, poured into your lap. And you're going to wonder, why do people always talk about me? Why do they always say these things? Why do they always do these things? Because I'm reaping. This principle of reaping and sowing is, um, is unfolding in my life. This is the context of the passage. You can apply it in all areas of life, this principle of planting, of sowing and reaping. If you plant a seed, some of you are gardeners, you go out, you plant a seed, do you expect to get a seed back? No, you expect to get a plant. You expect a plant to come up. And if it's a, a, a plant that produces a vegetable or something, you expect the vegetables to come out. And you expect there to be a lot of seed. One seed produces a lot of seed. You plant a, a fruit tree, you expect a tree to grow. And you expect a lot of fruit to be on that tree because it's a seed. God, Jesus is telling us, listen, your actions, your life, is a seed that you're planting. And someday, harvest is going to come, pressed down, poured together. So you've got to ask yourself, how are you doing at planting your seed? You've got to decide, do I want to plant good things and get back good things? Or what am I going to plant? Now, when you understand this principle of sowing and reaping, now this is where it gets a little shaky here for us. 
you, you can begin to analyze your life and look at some of the circumstances of your life. You can begin to figure some things out. If your children are rebellious, if, if our children are hard to direct and stubborn, if they're insensitive or resistant to your influence, one of the great places to start is to say, okay, who planted that seed in them? Where'd that seed come from? Who planted it? Did I plant it in them? Did my spouse plant it in them? Did the TV shows I let, let them watch plant it in them? The people I let influence their life planted in them? Who planted that seed in their life? Because this isn't the way the natural seed should grow in the kingdom of God. If I'm plant, if I'm, and, and, and so the way I look at my life is, okay, have I been rebellious to leaders? Have I been hard to direct? Have I been difficult to deal with? Have I been stubborn and hard-headed? Because see, what I plant, I'm going to reap. And I want to reap the right things, not the bad things. This, this plays out through our life. The principle of planting soil. Now, so have you ever noticed if there's somebody who is just really kind, they're nice, that it's hard to be mean to them? Have you noticed that? Somebody who's just a sweetheart. You know, and you, you get mad someday and you say something nasty to them, and then you feel like a, just a dirty dog. You didn't, you, have to, no, you didn't deserve that. I was just upset. You didn't deserve what I said. And you feel, you feel crummy. You know why? Because they're reaping what they're sowing. They're kind. They're nice. They don't do that. We reap what we sow. It comes back on us. This principle is both positive and negative because you're going to get back more than you sow. So if you're sowing positive things, the righteous things of the kingdom of God, what are you going to get back? But listen, it has to be played out through all your life. You can't just say, oh, I'm planting righteousness in my children because I bring them to church. No, you've got to plant the whole thing in their life. You've got to get all the ingredients. You've got to live a righteous life in front of them. You've got to pray for them. You've got to pray with them. You've got to be a, live a holy life without hypocrisy in your life. You've got to put all the right ingredients into their life. You've got to speak rightly into their life. Church is a part of it. But you've got other ingredients that have to be added as well. Because if all they do is see you come to church and walk into, and then you walk out there and there's no presence of God in your home, there's no presence of God in your life, there's no introduction of, this, of the things of God and prayer inside of your home, they, they, you're not planting the whole thing, friends. You're just, you're just putting a cake without any of the, the cake mix in the oven and hoping it turns out to be a cake. It's got to be all of it. I've got to mix this thing into my life and understand it and, and, and get it going. This is where so many people make a huge mistake. So hear me. This isn't just about money. It's about everything. It's about everything. But money's included. Money is a part of everything. Why did God create money or create giving? Some people say, well, you know, to support his work. Do you really think God needs your money to support his work? 
You think God's worried about the light bill? You know, one of the great passages of Scripture, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. He's coming into Jerusalem, and it's Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, and they're waving palm branches, and they're singing unto God and uh, unto Jesus and proclaiming him to be the King of kings and the Messiah and all this stuff. And the Pharisees come out, and they go, you need to shut them up. You need to tell them to be quiet. And he looks at them, and he says this. If they're quiet, if they shut up today, then the rocks would cry out and proclaim my name. What was he saying? Today, the providence of God is going to happen. Today, I'm going to be proclaimed as the Messiah. And if everyone up and down this street refuses to do it, God will raise up the rocks from the ground and they'll do it. God can support his work and do his thing without any of us. He doesn't do this for, for our sake or for his sake. He does this, get this, God created giving not for his sake but for our sake to help us. Here's what you have to understand about this whole, this whole Christian walk. The first step is you come to this understanding that Jesus is the Savior. He came, he's the Son of God, he lived on this earth, and when you go to heaven, there's only one way to get in the door. And that's because you've asked Jesus to be the Savior of your life, and you put your faith in him and receive the grace of God. One and only way. You've got to ask Christ in your life. If you haven't done that, you need to do that before you leave this place. You sit there and say, I'm going to put Jesus as the Savior of my life. I'm going to trust him to get into heaven. But God's not done with us yet. Because, see, we have a broken nature. We have a broken heart. We have a heart that's been separated from God. And because of it, all the sin that you see in this world is taking place in this world. And we're a part of that. So God moves in our life to do what we call sanctification. He begins to move by His Spirit on our life through His Word and through His Spirit to reform us into the image of His Son, Jesus. I've got to cooperate with that. I'm called to cooperate. I'm saved by grace. I'm called to be like Him, to be changed. And that salvation, that gift of salvation, should make me hungry to go do that, to be changed. I should feel conviction about the old way. So God puts his word out. He gives us divine promises. He gives us promises so that we'll begin to participate in the divine nature, Peter tells us. So he's working a work through us by telling us, do this, and I'm going to do that inside of you. Follow me, and I'm going to work out the divine nature inside of you. And so a generous heart, a giving heart, is part of what God calls us to. In every area of our life, He calls us to be open to the generosity of His Spirit, because generosity works selfishness and greed out of our hearts. As we choose to follow generosity and being generous with our life, God heals us of our selfishness. 
and our greed. And it brings the blessing of God, the empowerment of God into our lives. This is why so much preaching on giving is bad. It's about give to get. You sit, you're here on TV all the time. Uh, you know, plant a seed here and you're going to get it. You know, plant $100, you're going to get it tenfold back. You're going to get a hundredfold back. You're going to get all this stuff back. And, and I, I'm just going to tell you, it's nonsense. It's nonsense. It's not about give to get. What do you think? God's sitting in heaven going, oh, I am so, I am so happy my people are getting the principle of getting. Is that what he's sitting up there thinking? No, he's wanting our hearts to be generous. He's wanting us to be healed from the selfishness. He's wanting us to be healed from centering on, on who we are. God's not excited about it. No, he wants to open our hearts to generosity so that our hearts will be healthy and will be righteous. God wants us to reap the joy and the freedom of giving because we are born selfish but born again generous. A world of generous people walking through a dark planet showing the generosity and light of God because God's love has healed us of our selfishness. Listen, it, it doesn't take us, it doesn't take a, a baby, you know, very long, any of us, very long, to learn this four-letter word, mine. Every one of us learned that word pretty quick. Learning the word share, learning the word be generous in our sharing is about the healing of a sin nature within us. It's not about give to get. It's about give to be healed. And remember, this is in all areas of our life. This isn't, you know, this, this isn't every area. I, I, God gives us so we can be generous. Greed corrupts us. Greed fills us with lust. Greed makes us angry if there's some demand on, what, on our treasure. Greed builds selfishness. Greed grows frustration in those around us who should be able to count on our generosity. And that's where our hearts are without Christ. But when we really see what God has done for us and we are grateful and His love fills our hearts for others, the natural response is generosity. When we experience the saving love of Christ, when we realize that every good and perfect gift comes from Him, when we understand that He is our provider, when we understand that He has gone to heaven to prepare a place for us to go someday, when we understand the generosity of God to give us gifts that we can be used of Him, when we begin to capture all of that, greed begins to flow out of our heart and generosity begins to flow through our heart because we know our source will never go broke in any area of our life, in our emotions, in our feelings, in our desires. God will supply the depth of our heart of what we need. And the joy comes in that giving, and the natural response is generosity. We're going to work this out a little bit more over the next few weeks. I just challenge you to come and, and listen to Scripture. 
If it's scriptural, friends, this is what I tell you all the time. Listen, if what I tell you is scriptural, you better do it. If it's not scriptural, just say, well, Pastor, I had a bad day today. We'll pray for him this week. But here's the principle. Here's the principle. Judge not lest ye be judged. With the measure you measure it, what's going to happen? It's going to be measured back to you in every area. So giving, friend, it's all about the heart. Generosity is all about the heart. When the heart is generous, we dream new dreams. When the heart's selfish, we dream dreams about ourselves. When our heart is generous, we dream dreams about others. We dream dreams about how we can change a broken world. We dream dreams about how we can minister into other people's lives. We're not vying for position or power or strength for ourselves. We're looking for that place. How can I serve in a way that others are healed and others discover the glory of God and this world becomes a better place because our hearts are transformed by Him? Generosity, the right heart changes our dreams and changes our heart when our heart is selfish and we have selfish dreams. It all becomes about us, and we can become part of the problem. But when our heart is generous, we have caring dreams. Christianity isn't about joining a church. Christianity isn't about saying, I'm a member of this church or this denomination. Christianity is not simply about praying a prayer and saying you've asked Jesus into your life. It's not simply about adding Jesus to the other interests of your life. Christianity is about putting a new Lord on the throne of our lives. Jesus reigns there instead of ourself. Christianity is about a new nature in our hearts. It's not just about the hope of heaven, but it's about the transformation of God and a new nature begins to reign in our heart by the power of God and we become healed from the sin nature and transformed into a Christ nature. Christianity is about a new kingdom with a new set of rules about how this life works that we seek after and we discover and we become changed and because of that we change the world around us. We come needing to be be delivered. We come to Jesus needing to be delivered from from eternal separation from God and needing to be healed from who we are into who we should be. Listen, I'm just telling you, there's some of you here, you're you're probably a Christian. Grace of God is great and wonderful, but you're still dreaming dreams for yourself. There's still selfishness in there. And God wants to heal that and change that. Still thinking about power, different things. God wants to change that. And he wants to use you to be a part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Giving is one of the ways that he heals us. When we begin to say, you know what? I'm not going to vie for myself. I'm going to say, God, how would you use me to help others. Whether that's a student in the classroom who decides to give kindness 
to the student that everybody else is being nasty to. Whether that's a teacher in a classroom who decides to give patience to a student who seems to just be bent on wrecking everything. To the person in a neighborhood who decides to help somebody that doesn't help anybody else. To the person who decides to use their words to encourage and to bless instead of to gossip and complain. Whatever area it is in our life, God wants to change our hearts from the selfish to the giving to bring about new life in every area of our life and our world. And when you do that, with the measure you use, it's going to get measured back to you. And when you choose not to do that, with the measure you use, it's going to get measured back to you. It's a principle of the kingdom we can't escape. And we've got to understand that God supplies our healing by giving. How did he heal us? He sent his son to die for us. He gave his only begotten son. How does he heal us? He sends his spirit to dwell in us. He gives us his word so we can know it. He heals us by giving to us. And if we want to be part of the solution in this world, we need to let God heal our hearts and say, God, make me generous everywhere I go. Amen? Let's stand together and let's pray. Prayer teams, would you come down to the front? Father, uh, you, know, you know how we're trapped. You know what naturally beats in our hearts. And you know how we can even bring that into the kingdom and it can beat in our heart. Selfishness can beat in our heart. I, I just pray that, Father, today, across this room, you'd speak to those who love you and serve you. And, Lord, they would just begin to hear the places of life where they can be generous. Father, I commend this church to you. It's a generous church. I see them so many times when somebody's in need rally around them on their own to bless them and to help them. I, I see them when there's some project that we're doing to minister to our community or minister to our world, and they step up and go and work and minister and give and minister. I see them pouring their life and ministries throughout this fellowship. Father, I see you allowing their, them allowing their hearts to be transformed to generosity in so many, many ways. And Lord, I commend that. And I, I just pray, though, that Lord, if there's any place where we're not being generous, you'd speak to our heart. I pray for others who need to come along with that, Lord, that you'd hear today that this is part of the transformed heart, is the generous heart. The heart that can give with no reservation, but with just the joy of giving. And that you sit on the, that when you whisper to give of our time, when you tell us to stop, when you tell us to invite someone in, 
when you tell us, Father, to go and pay attention to someone, Father, when you tell us to open our wallets, that we do it with joy because you are the treasure of our lives. Lord, in Jesus' name, let us be diligent and faithful in all of these things. And Lord, let your work be done in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.